family, I'm so happy to announce the launch of my brand new premium podcast. It's called Ideas That Matter Plus. This is an exciting new development that we've been working on for some time. This after seeing a lot of you request coming through saying thank you for what we've done and wanting more. Ideas That Matter Plus is a more targeted podcast that focuses on business strategies and more high-level thinking to help highly ambitious entrepreneurs, SMEs, business owners and founders, even the CEOs of big business. It only costs 450 Rand per month and will be coming in, but I mean coming in hot. So, subscribe now to Ideas That Matter Plus, now available on Spotify or Apple Podcast Store. Sayonara. It's time to take your seat at the table. Find out how with Vulsi Tembeguayo as we discuss ideas that matter. A catalyst for bold action. Hi Vusi, my name is Maburu Sitole. I'm a founder and managing director of Full Potential Campus, an online learning platform that offers hybrid learning and coaching. I'm a listener and a follower of the VT podcast and I love it because it always meets me, especially at the point of need. I was since inspired to start my own podcast called Being Fulfilled as a platform that I'll use to unleash everyone's full potential. The podcast has already recorded five episodes and it's growing. As I said, I've listened to most of your podcasts and my favorite is the one recorded on the 15th of November, 2021 on Flow. It really resonated with the space I was at in my business and it was very helpful. My question is, what is your advice for me and all new podcasters on how can I grow my podcast and attract advertisers? Once again, thank you so much for your continued inspiration. I look forward to your response. Thank you. Hello, family, and welcome to another week of the VT Podcast. And here we talk about ideas that matter. That lovely question slash testimonial slash your test is your testimony slash praise Jesus comment comes from Mabore Sitol. It's such a beautiful comment. And one of the things I love about that question, and I just want to buttress this before I answer it, is that it was practical and it was actually asking for some real practical insights. I've got to tell you, by the way, that that is my food. I love getting questions from the community. That's about getting real practical insights. It actually really, it, it fuels my mental juices type of thing, right? And I, I should advisedly, I, I shouldn't be using fuel, given what's happening with the cost of, of, uh, of fuel at the moment on account of the conflict in the Northern Hemisphere. But that notwithstanding, it fuels my creative juices. So thank you so much, Mabora, for that comment. Let me go straight to answering it, and then we'll talk about what it is I wanted to talk about this week on the podcast. And your question was, how do you find your voice and how do you attract sponsors? And the answer is going to sound opaque, but it's that you don't. Certainly not the latter. The most important element of being of value is figuring out what your value is figuring out who you are and what you want to stand for, figuring out what you want your voice to represent. That's where you focus your time and energy. The finding of the advertisers 
that's a consequence of you doing the first part really, really well. Sadly, we do live in a time where a lot of advertisers and commercial brands are attracted by large numbers in quantum. So they'll back particular platforms or podcasts because those platforms or podcasts have a lot of eyeballs on them and have a lot of people listening to them. They don't necessarily, not all of them, but most of them don't necessarily worry themselves about what it is that is the subject matter of that platform or podcast. So for instance, you'll find brands backing a podcast whose sole mandate it is to destroy people, gossip about people, lie about people, and spread misinformation about people. But brands will back that podcast because that podcast or that platform has, you know, 200,000 people listening to it, say. One of the things I think the universe has a particular system of justice over is that what happens almost always is people who build platforms to destroy others invariably build the very thing that destroys them. Have you ever noticed that? Now, what's interesting is it doesn't happen immediately. It does take a little bit of time. But the wheel does turn. And before you know it, the people who built something to destroy others, to talk about others, gossip about others, lie about others, defame the names of others, make inflammatory statements about other people or other cultures or other religions, sooner or later, that that energy flows back to them. So my, my whole belief really is, and I'll tell you this because I think it's very interesting, it's kind of my relationship with the world. My father used to say this to me. For those of you who don't know, my dad was my hero and my best friend. And my father was a first-degree black belt in Gyokushinkai Karate. And when I was a little boy, he started me off doing Gyokushinkai, Masutatsu Oyama style, from Okinawa. And, um, and one of the things my father used to say to me when we were training was that the universe exists always in perfect equilibrium. You and I come into the world and we throw things at the world either positive or negative. But the universe exists in perfect equilibrium. And so for every positive thing we throw at the world, for the universe to establish its equilibrium, what is it going to throw back at you? Positive. It gives back to you what you gave it. And for every negative thing you throw at the world, the universe will throw back at you negative. Now, nobody's completely good and nobody's completely bad, but really what you're hoping for is a life where your good outweighs the bad, right? Because at the end of the day, it leaves the balances on you receiving more positive than you do negative. So my dad used to say this to me, and I think it's something if you my Buddha, to really think about. What is your voice? What do you want to stand for? Who do you want to talk to? What do you want them to remember you by? And, and how do you want to leave the world better than you found it? do that. Will the advertisers come? Maybe, maybe not. But if they don't, in any event, you would have done something of good and of value. And if they do, they would be, they would find you doing work that is close to your spirit and close to, to your intent and who you want to be and the value that you want to bring to the world. Finally, my brother, just something for you to think about here. The most important customer for anybody building a content platform, whether it's a YouTube channel or a podcast or anything like this, the most important customer, the most important customer is the listener. And the most important currency is their time. So worry a bit less about how many advertisers are giving you dollars and worry more about how many listeners are giving you time. 
That's what that's the currency that actually matters. It's growing your universe of people that you're influencing and how much influence you're having over that universe. Right. That's our opening comment. So let's try that again. Hello, family. <laughs> I want to say thank you so much, all of you, for joining us this week. And uh, this week, I wanted to talk about something that's been weighing really, really heavy on my heart. And this week's topic is about elders. The elders. You know, if you study the history of all civilizations, cast your mind back to the mercantilist nation of, for instance, what later would become China, the, the, the Qing dynasty, and then many years later under Mao Zedong. Cast your mind into even the Roman Empire, the Greek Empire. Cast your mind to the empire of the Vandals, the Vikings, or even the empires of the Barbers, the Barbarians, as they would later become known. Cast your mind back to the great kingdoms of Mapungubwe and Zimbabwe, the great kingdoms of Ghana and the La people. Cast your mind back to the great Zulu nation and Oshaga, and before that and after that. It doesn't matter which culture you study, and when. Even if you went down into Latin America and you found the people of the Amazonia living in the Amazon jungle, each different tribes configured under the, the Trinity dynasty that would later consolidate each of those tribes. If you study all of those civilizations and you look at their systems of governance, you notice that even though they existed at different times, and had different theologies, they had one consistent theme, the importance of elders. Elders. I want to argue here today that we're living in a time today where the elders of our communities have forgotten their place. They've forgotten their role. They've forgotten their value. We're living in a time today where the elders are trying to be so hip and so cool and so funky and so trendy. They themselves don't even know what being an elder is anymore. And those that do don't have the courage to step up. And this, I would argue, is the reason why we're living in a time today where we are a lost generation who've forgotten the old ways and have forgotten the old means. Elders, if you think about it, were the council of wisdom that governed those who lived inside that environment. And so, for instance, in the African construct, the elders would meet, literally meet in a council, and they would sit and discuss issues of conflict, marriages that were falling apart, or households that were fighting one with the other, neighbors who were at each other's throats, they would talk about the dissolution of assets and the spread of wealth, making it more equal and more even. The role of the elders always was to perfectly maintain the equilibrium of the inhabitants of that space. And why would elders be trusted with that? Because elders had the most important quality that you look for when somebody who's going to make good decisions. Experience. Not good experience. Just experience. I think one of the mistakes we make in our time, in our world today, is we're looking for perfect people, rather than looking for imperfect people trying to do things perfectly. So perhaps we should concern ourselves a bit less with 
somebody's past and concern ourselves a bit more with somebody's lessons gained over that past. Perhaps we should concern ourselves a bit less with the mistakes somebody has made in the past and concern ourselves a bit more with the wisdom that they would have gained as they made those mistakes. Because I don't know about you, but if I'm the person who's going to be taking a particular path down a particular road, I want to talk to not only the person who traveled that road perfectly, but I also want to talk to the person who made mistakes along the way, who learned from them. I want to learn from the imperfect person who did the best they could every day. I think it was Nelson Mandela who said, I am not a saint unless you think of a saint as a sinner who keeps on trying. And so the question for us, for this time and for this generation, is where have our elders gone? Look at the world today. Nations on top of nations. Parents on top of other parents. Cultures fighting cultures and countries fighting countries. Look at the world today. Races fighting other races, religions completely indiscriminately, either destroying other religions or not being tolerant. Look at the world today. Abuse being sent over a WWW address called trolling. And what you see is that it's a world lack in compassion and void of direction. A world that's missing wisdom. A world where the voice of the elders have been silenced. And so the question I'd like you to ask yourself, and perhaps to ask even those in your life, is where have our elders gone? Where have they gone? <laughs> I grew up in a time my grandfather, um, I got to tell you guys a bit about my grandfather, by the way, because if you understand my grandfather, David was his name, and he would tell you that he was King David himself. David Mpisane was his name. If you understood the character of my grandfather, my character makes perfect sense. He was big and boisterous and funny. He had punchlines for days. He was completely intolerant of nonsense and BS. He called it out from whence he saw it. And he was a man's man. That was my grandfather. He was a, a proper man's man. And a story is often told in our household uh, when we were growing up. My grandfather um, had bought uh, a, a unit, a bedroom unit. Uh, I don't know, for the rest of the cultures that join this podcast from other parts of the world, I don't quite know how to explain this. But a bedroom unit is like the headboard with, you know, the base. And there's a little, there's one of those little like headboard units, they call them, that has a mirror on them. And then it has little uh, shelves that you pull and this little stool that goes in and you pull the stool in and out and you can sit there. You guys know what, yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. I don't know, y'all know what I'm talking about. And if you remember like back in the day, they were made of like wood and it was like this deep like color of wood, et cetera, et cetera, right? So, so my grandfather had one of these and, um, as luck would have it, or rather the lack of luck would have it, he um, didn't have the means, I think, to make his installment. This is back in the day when you would pay something on lay-by or you could take something on higher purchase. So he had bought this unit on higher purchase and he didn't have the means to, I think, continue paying it off. And it bought it from, the South Africans in the room would remember, very premium, premium furniture retailer called Gene and Richards. 
right? Uh, as my mom used to call it, Gien and Richards. But he we bought it from this place called Gene and Richards, really like premium. Side note, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but Gene and Richards in South Africa around the, I want to say late 90s, early 2000s, the numbers, uh, the time period might be wrong, but the story thematically is true, saw a rapid decrease in sales because they outsourced their deliveries. And the company to whom they outsourced their deliveries was delivering their furniture in unmarked vans. Why would that decrease their sales? Well, simple. People wanted their neighbors to know that they had just bought something from Gene and Richards. And so if an expensive unit arrives and the van delivering it doesn't say Gene and Richards, what's the point of having the expensive unit? Does this, you all, you all understand what I'm trying to say? If you don't understand what I'm trying to say, cast your mind back, go and listen to another episode in the podcast called The Veblen Effect, and you'll understand all about this. Now I'm back to my grandfather. So he bought this like unit and he wasn't able to make some payments. And not able to make some payments, you know what happens when you can't make payments, right? Like the, the owner of the asset comes to take it back. And so as I understand it, they sent over some people from the furniture store to come and collect this unit. And, you know, my grandfather was living in this apartheid-style house. You guys remember the apartheid-style houses, right? It had the door. Remember the barn door that opened at the top and the bottom? You remember those like thick wooden barn doors opened at the top and the bottom? And as you came in, it had the stove. You guys remember the stove. Mbonginigema sings about this, that stove, right? It had that stove um, that had the, the black plates on it. And then over it, it had the, uh, that, like, the little counter unit also made out of like metal sheet and steel. But behind the stove ran a chimney that went right through the ceiling all the way to the top. And next to the stove was this small little window. You guys remember the small little window? Every apartheid style had it. And that was on the left. On the right was a little sinky type area. Yeah? With um, a little sink area with another, with another window there. And then you went right into the house. On the left was the dining room, sitting room. And then on the right was my grandfather's bedroom. So these guys came in. And they came right through the kitchen. Um, now, I must, I must qualify when I say the minute you walk through the kitchen, you were in the dining room, sitting room, or my grandfather's bedroom, that's what I mean. There was no, as we called it, passage. There was no passage. There was no lobby. As I, as I grew older, I was like, oh, it's called a lobby. Yeah, there was, there was no lobby that was connecting it. You know, I grew up calling it a passage. There was no passage, no lobby. You literally went from one room into the other. As you stood at the one room, you looked at the contents of the other. And so they come right through the door. They tell him why they're here. And he says to them, yeah, sure, carry on. And they go right to the room to try and take these units. He goes behind, my grandfather does, behind the stove, pulls out, pulls out a cast iron metal axe. Every single black person from South Africa listening to the story knows that axe. You remember the axe you, remember the axe you used to use? The one you used to use when your parents would say, go make fire? That axe you used to use to break down the pallets? You remember that axe? Yeah, that axe. He goes and he fetches that axe. And only the way my grandfather does, as he pulls the axe, listen to this. It's so genius, it was almost theatrical. I think my grandfather might have actually taught Steven Spielberg a thing or two. He pulls the axe from the back of the uh, of the uh, stove and he doesn't pick it up he pulls it all along the cement floor so they can hear the metal and the cement that sound 
Immediately, these two gents must have picked up something was up. They turned to look, and here he is approaching them, pulling this axe. And apparently, they ran faster than a runaway slave. They were out of there. Right. So, so, and the story when I was growing up used to be told in my family about my grandfather who'd done this and, and this incredible, like boisterous character. Right. But I remember when my parents were going through a difficult time, we had to move in and live with my grandfather. And this is the point about which I wanted uh, to come. We had to go in and live with my grandfather. He would wake up every single morning and he would make us, I don't know what the English word is for this, but he would make us umtogo amabele. What is umtogo amabele in English? Uh, let me think. Uh, a porridge of mabele. I, I, it's like Google M-A-B-E-L-E and, and you'll see what, you know, it's like a, just Google it and you'll find out what I'm talking about. He used, he'd wake up and he'd make us this, and he, he made the best one, by the way. Had these like little seedlings on it, and he would sprinkle a little bit of cream and some sugar. Best way to start the day. Tons of energy, tons of like, you know, just like good carbs. But my parents were going through a difficult time, and I remember my grandfather being an elder. I remember him counseling them. Now, economically, my parents were at a far better place than my grandfather. But what he had was time. He had wisdom. He had experience. I came to tell you today that for those of us listening to the podcast, I think we need to take on the responsibility of being the elders in our environments because it dawns upon me that we live in a time where the elders are no longer we live at a time with a social conscience of a community and a people where its very consciousness has been outsourced to other institutions. And so you find even things like the church overreaching itself just because the elders no longer know their role. The elders are no longer in the room. So for those of us then, kingdom builders, some of us, who think about ourselves as elders in our environment, in our con context, how do you do it? Well, here are th three things I think you need to do if you actually want to live the life of an elder. The first is humility. Elders were not elders because they had all the answers. They were elders because they were good at listening. They had the ability to sit down and listen to an issue, a problem, even if they already knew the solution, but they would listen to you ventilated nonetheless. I want, I want to suggest that we perhaps need to go back to a time when we are humble again and willing to listen again. So humility. Second thing elders had is compassion. The ability to be compassionate, to wait things out and to really listen to the other person's perspective and the weight of the issues that they were facing. To consider things deeply from their perspective, not just the perspective from which you're seeing things. To understand the demons that that person may or may not be dealing with. Sometimes the demons that the person themselves is not aware of. Compassion. And third, and I, I want to suggest that this is the hardest. It's probably the one we've compromised the most. It's an uncompromising sense of values. Elders were elders because they knew what was right and what was wrong. We live in a world today that's become so PC that right and wrong doesn't matter anymore. 
we live in a world today that's become so, I hate to use the word, but for lack of a better one, inclusive, that we're including even the wrong things. Elders were elders because they knew what right was and what wrong was, and they were comfortable to stand in the face of criticism and critique for their beliefs. And because of this, they held together families that were living on the breadline. Because of this, they kept together communities that had very little to show for their own existence. Because of this, they raised generations who would later become captains of commerce and CEOs and global entrepreneurs and speakers. Raised by simple people who gave them time immemorial values. Timeless education. Being elders. So, ladies and gentlemen, friends, family, that is our podcast for this week. Now, go out there and go be an elder. From me, Vusi Tembeguayo, sayonara. This podcast was proudly brought to you by My Growth Fund in partnership with Sound & Sounds Media. To have your podcast recorded, send an email to info at soundandsounds.co.za. That's I-N-F-O at S-O-U-N-D-A-N-D-S-O-U-N-D-S dot C-O dot today.